Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined the Seven of Cups and Penelope. Today's show will focus on the Eight of Cups and the Sacrifice of Iphigenia. Stories, cups, and symbols, and all of the above. Myth, tarot, love. Welcome to Myth, Tarot, Love, a show about ancient stories and new age wisdom. I'm Biddy, your expert in classics. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. (laughs) 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 We're happy to be here today. Yes. We're talking about the Eight of Cups. Yes super happy and super thankful and just wanted to give a quick shout out to Jess DQS for the wonderful review that you wrote for us on iTunes. Thank you so much. I feel like you get us. (laughs) You know what we're trying to do here. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's appreciated. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so we're talking about the Eight of Cups, which is mostly a card about stagnation Mm -hmm. and knowing when to bail. Okay. Kind of. That's how I would sum it up. Uh, it's a card about running away from a situation, and a lot of times people are really hesitant to run away because it feels like running away from your problems, and there's a sense of like shame. There's a difference between running away from your problems and like just like piecing out. Okay. Yeah, like like needing needing a change of scenery, needing mm. a change of focus, just like dropping what you've started and moving on. Um, like just completely changing things up. It can so this card often shows up for like changing careers mm. or um, maybe leaving a, a bad relationship where you're giving more than you're receiving. Like just something that's not healthy for you anymore. Like it might have been good once, but it's not good anymore. Mm. And uh, there's a need to really change for it. Um, yeah, so it shows up in a lot of different situations, and it's a really, it's the kind of card that is, is, it's almost like it's giving you permission to change, because a lot mm-hmm. of times it'll show up for a person who doesn't think that they're capable of it. Like, mm-hmm. um, so this card kind of references two major arcana cards. One is the Hanged Man, oh. and if you remember, uh, the Hanged Man... Like just in its themes, not so much mm-hmm. in its vi- not so much in its visuals uh, representations in the Rider Waite Smith deck, but the Hanged Man is about um, a character. The Hanged Man does not feel like he can escape his current situation. Like there's no way out, mm-hmm. right? Uh, however, he does have this sense of like inner peace. If there's a promise of inner peace for him if he can just get past the next step, or um, perhaps the inner peace is even within himself somewhere, right? Uh, similarly, you have the hermit who sacrifices worldly prese- possessions and um, isolates himself from, from others and society in order to achieve inner wisdom. So you kind of have some of these themes playing in this card as well. Um, you have someone whose back is turned on the eight cups that are present, and uh, this person is is moving on to somewhere else, and they're kind of also going on this journey perhaps of self-discovery um so i will describe the card a little bit for you to get some more visuals in there okay so 
first thing that I personally see in this card is the figure who is in a bright red, which is a real contrast to the colors everywhere else. You have this person who's who's got like red boots and a red cape and a cane, and they're kind of hunched over a little bit and and just walking away into the distance. And um, in that distance, you have some mountains, and there the mountains are kind of cut up by water, and it's not it like a crag, like a rocky kind of. I don't know if is that the right term. Crag, yeah. like it's it's kind of like swampy. It's like, um, okay. you know, it it might it might reach the the ocean eventually, but it's it's not moving water. Mm, it's like really still. Yeah, it's really still. Um, I've seen I've seen it often represented as a a swamp. Okay. In other decks, mm-hmm. um, my dragon Celtic dragon tarot deck is represented by a swamp. Mm. Um, so you have water in it. Water is a really big feature here but the water is not moving and that is key um there's there's a sense of like the current situation is really still uh and there in the foreground up at the the very front you have the eight cups which are stacked on top of each other in a way that's almost creating kind of like a barrier Hmm. uh and it's kind of interesting because it's like your current situation is not necessarily one that is uh stable but it's also still blocking you. And that's kind of, which is kind of an interesting, like, dynamic here. Because the, the, the cups are stacked on top of each other in such a way that they look, they look like a gate. Yeah, like it looks stable, but it can be, like... Easily knocked down. Yeah. It's, it's still kind of flimsy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then you've got this clear, dark blue sky. It could be dusk. It could be dawn. There is no red in the, in the sky. It's just, like, maybe before the sun has risen or, or uh, just after the sun has set uh, and there's no more red left in the sky. But there instead is this sun-moon character mm-hmm. that is in the middle of the sky. And it's kind of interesting having this like dark gray blue sky and this moon and a sun in that sky. And it's kind of like um, it's, no. it's like a, this. This is more like a visual of the moon, I would okay. say, which is one of illusion. And it almost looks like an eclipse. Like it almost yeah. looks like the moon is like passing going in the front sun. of the sun. And maybe that's why it's it's darker right yeah. now. Um, that would be really like I think that I think you're probably right in that case. Like I've I've always interpreted this as being um, as being like a false sense of light or perhaps a a, a place that is out of time completely which would make sense for yeah. the eclipse too cuz it's yeah. like a false sense of darkness yeah it's a false sense of darkness it's a it's a it's a time that is out of place and i think i think you mm. you've got a really good uh i like you're got a good place going there <laughs> with that idea of an yeah. eclipse right because when we have this eclipse you have um emotions that are kind of blocking out your sense of um, clarity, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you have emotions blocking out logic, um, the the feminine overpowering the masculine in this case, right? Um, and of course, in tarot, we always seek a balance between feminine and masculine energies. And in this case, the moon would very much be uh, blocking out the sun. Yeah, that's that's cool. I, I like that, Betty. <laughs> I like that. You you just came up with yeah, that, didn't I did. you? <laughs> I did. That's good. Because <laughs> I was thinking, it kind of looks like a moon attached to another. It's just the way mm-hmm. that that the card is. 
I don't know. It just made me think of that. This is a really good example, by the way, listeners, of how every person who's reading the cards is a tarot reader. Like, And it's both the job of the person who's receiving the tarot reading and the person who's giving the tarot reading to interpret the cards mm-hmm. because the cards do change meanings based off of what you're seeing, right? Yeah. It's very much a, uh, a subjective practice. Mm-hmm. And messages are something that you will receive but also have to interpret for yourselves and it can also change probably based on the deck that you're using too because the image would be different yes for sure yeah in my deck it's like a it's like a forest like Mm -hmm. my 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 dragon tarot deck because i tend to use the dragon one when i'm giving Mm. uh readings more than the rider waite smith deck but i like having the rider waite smith deck as like a reference deck yeah for sure (laughs) more um kind of a go back and forth between them but I think different uh, different tarot readers will do different things mm-hmm. um, or some might have multiple decks one might be a personal deck and one might be a deck that they give readings for other people as well um, yeah so you've got this character fleeing a scene of stagnant water there's a lot of rocky mountains that are like in the near future. It's like it's a difficult terrain. Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult terrain, um, and you can see because he's turned towards it, he can see it coming. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it, it's like he's got you know in this particular terrain. It's it's just a, a very difficult journey for him, and mm-hmm. he might have been journeying through it already, and it's just doesn't look like it's been easy. Um, and it also is almost like. It's, it's filled with illusions and you've got this this place that's almost out of time happening here. So putting all of this together, um, this is really these are really symbols of um, of disillusionment, really. So like basically coming to a realization that uh, your situation is not a healthy one, is not a, a good one for you, and needing to move on and past it and away from it in order to uh, find that that spiritual growth and mm. something more fulfilling. And something more fulfilling definitely does come if you do move away from this. But if you just stay here, this card is kind of... The warning I would say that's associated with this card is that if you do nothing, nothing will happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I feel like sometimes, the emptiness yeah. of the cups too. Like I can't mm-hmm. remember if it was the seven or the six with the kids. Six of cups with the filled abu- like, with like yeah, kids, so many flowers and this abundance true, in it. Yeah. And these cups are empty. There's nothing. There's nothing for this person in all of these cups. You know, he has he he has eight cups and they're all golden, but like there's nothing in them and. He, there's no one even to sell the cups to. Like <laughs> the cups are yeah. worthless to him in this particular picture, and he's and he's turned his back from mm-hmm. on them completely. Um, you know, the cups might have been filled with wine once, but, but now it's but now they're just empty. empty. Sorry. Yeah. So when you get this, then um, okay. So if you get or... this card, uh, it's so if the card appears as you as a person or like your current situation, it would represent your need to. Um, to be fleeing a situation it would normally this card will show up for me um, for a person who is um, going through a life change or considering leaving a situation Um, and 
often that person will think they're running away from their problems and there will be a lot of shame associated with it. But this card is not meant to be one of shame. It's not, you're not giving up, right? Um, it, it's not giving up because you can't do it. It's giving up because you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a difference oh, yeah. between those two ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really difficult to separate your it's it's difficult to explain to people that sometimes you just need to change where you are uh, and without it feeling like failure mm. right so this card often appears to a person who uh, feels like they're a bit of a failure in their situation um, and they they just want to keep going they just want to like keep trying and making the best of it but it's like there's nothing that can be done here. You have to change. You have to move on. You have to find a new situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can, if it appears in the future, it means, hey, you know, maybe you need to go on a journey uh, or like maybe a journey is coming, a, a big change is coming. Um, if it, like if it comes as your helper, then it, you definitely need to go on a journey. Maybe, maybe it's time to, to go on, to take that vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah as a as an answer it can have um it can also mean like going on a vacation or now is the time to change pace leave what it's basically it's it's kind of giving you permission like i said before it's giving you permission to give up on your current situation without feeling guilty for it because it's this is this card is just saying there's nothing that can be done Mm -hmm. you've got to you've got to move on yeah, um, so it can be like you're sacrificing something, but it's okay because it's for the better. Yeah, and like there's a lot of times people will be in a difficult situation and they think, oh, I'm just going to ride out the storm. Yeah. I'm just going to ride it out and it'll get better eventually. It'll get better eventually. And this card is saying it's not going to get better. If you do nothing, um, nothing will happen. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of talking a little bit. Just of- sometimes worse yeah. than if something like really bad happened. Which sounds counterintuitive. Yeah, but yeah. I, it's I'm like just sometimes from my past experience. Yeah, like if, like if something really bad, it's like yeah. it shocks you into realizing mm-hmm. your situation. But if everything's just like meh, it's yeah. not good, but it's not too bad. It's like you can still deal with it. Mm-hmm. Then you you never have that motivation to to seek something better. Um, so sometimes this card does also talk about lethargy. Mm. So if you if you've asked a question about like reaching your goals, this card might be talking about you being lazy and and just thinking that the goals are going to happen by themselves. Oh, okay. And that's also just not going to happen. Yeah. Like if you have asked a question being like, oh, I want this to happen. Like I'm going to give a crazy example. Like, um, oh, I want to be a superstar. <laughs> right? And you're like, okay, so what have you done to be a superstar? Oh, I've, you know, I've been watching TV. Well, that's not that's not gonna happen. No. <laughs> like you're not in a you're not you're putting yourself in a situation mm-hmm. where you're gonna be able to reach that goal, um, and you know, so there's kind of this this symbol of lacking the desire to achieve your goals as well, lacking motivation, mm-hmm. um, and you've got to change your circumstances if you want to be a superstar. You got to go out and get noticed. You have to put yourself out there. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you'll have you'll need a very different. Um, you'll, you'll need to have a very different, uh, lifestyle than sit going home and watching TV every day. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, I'm just going to watch The Voice and whatever other shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it'll be fine. Yeah, so you're kind of like living your dream in your mind, in Mm -hmm. your dreams, and you're not making them a reality. Um, It can, like I think I mentioned before, how this can represent a change of career. Um, If you think your career, like if you want your career to be different, but you're not doing anything Mm -hmm. to make your career different, it's not going to become different suddenly, magically, like... You're, you're not going to have a fairy godmother who says bibbidi boppity boop. <laughs> bibbidi boppity boop. Bibbidi boop. <laughs> but this, yeah. is, this is saying, like, that if you do do the change, like, put the time in, mm-hmm. you are going to have a good outcome or a good result. Or it's not it's not really like, um, promising that. It's not promising that. It's just saying you need to change what you're doing. Okay. Um, if anything, this card normally appears to people who don't realize they're not doing things okay right so this card is more, more like a wake-up call yeah exactly it's a wake-up call this okay. this card is trying to give permission to people to leave a, a situation that's unhealthy okay. and it's also a warning to those who think their their dreams will just happen by themselves right and saying mm-hmm. well no like, and, and his underlying message is you need to change your current situation um that you are living outside of a time in order to reach that goal which i think is why there's that eclipse you've got mm-hmm. you've got emotions literally blocking out your logic yeah <laughs> right <laughs> yeah that's a really good way to put it mm-hmm. huh, interesting yeah so um i think if anything this card doesn't promise success but it does promise self-discovery um that if you are continuing if you continue to put yourself out there and um and change your your situation and uh, like pursue that true path that you need to go on in order to keep improving uh then what you will find is yourself not necessarily success but you will be more true to yourself and you will you will grow as a result for mm-hmm. it so um like i i mentioned the the hermit and i also mentioned the hanged man uh the hermit you know puts his worldly possessions behind him he he puts his attachments behind him in order to receive that uh enlightenment Mm -hmm. right and similarly the hermit um goes within his mind as well in order to get that inner peace that sense of peace for himself um so similarly there there is that kind of energy happening in this card as well cool um, so I would also I would also mention that there's definitely this sense of sacrifice as well because changing situations is not easy. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not. So if you are going to make that change, you have to essentially sacrifice what you currently have mm-hmm. in order to make that change. And I think yeah. that's another another case where that hermit idea is coming in as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so what is the story that reminded you of the eight of cups biddy yeah so um the sacrifice of iphigenia by her father agamemnon really reminded me of this just this idea of stagnation and sacrifice comes out a lot in this tale um so the story itself we get from a play by euripides called iphigenia in um aulis or sometimes it's iphigenia at aulis i'm gonna explain how this how Iphigenia is spelled. Okay. It's I P H I G E N I A. Okay. Because it's like 
It's a, it's a diff. I've never heard that word before. <laughs> it's a name. It's a name. It's a name. And even Aulis, A U L I S. I'm probably saying it wrong, but that's a, a different one as well. Um, yeah. Even Euripides. <laughs> All of these interesting names. All these, these fun Greek names. And mm-hmm. people look at me like I have three heads when I say it. And they're like, is that a word? Or... Well, we still use the name Diana. <laughs> True. See? There's Aha. some names that stuck, and some names we were just like, that's too weird. Too, too weird. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so Iphigenia, one of those that I guess didn't stick. Mm-hmm. Um, so this play was the last extant tragedy that we have by Euripides, um, mm-hmm. and dates between 408 and 406 BCE. So this mm-hmm. is basically the last complete one that we have of his before he passed away. So, like, you know, 2,500 years old. Yeah. 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 Give or take. Give or take. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this play in particular is one of those precursor stories to the Trojan War. Okay. Um, and this is an important one because the events in this story have an impact on what happens to Agamemnon and his family once the war is over. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, so an- another one of those stories about after war. Yeah, so this one is is a before war. Those ones, mm-hmm. yeah, like that, that will be. Afterwards. Are they on the winning or the losing side this time? Winning, winning. Okay, <laughs> I get what you're saying. Yeah, because yes, the no, Trojan so women is, story was. Yeah, yeah, that was a down. Well, I mean, they're all. This is a tragedy as well. So, oh, spoiler, yeah. not gonna have a very nice ending. <laughs> so, spoiler, uh, everyone's sad. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler, it's called The Sacrifice for a reason. Oh, jeez. Anywho. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this um, play, take, excuse me, uh, takes place just as the Greeks are about to set sail for Troy. So it is a Greek side versus the Trojan women being a Trojan side story. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Agamemnon and Menelaus have called upon the men who swore the oath of Tyndarius, which we've, we've talked about before as well. Um, to sail with them to Troy to return Helen to her rightful husband, Menelaus. Okay. Um, so all of the soldiers have now gathered at Aeolus, and they are ready to set sail. They're ready to go to the war. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the winds have suddenly and mysteriously died down. The waters are stagnant. The winds have stopped. They can't go any further. Okay. So. So they have this goal, but they can't they meet can't it. They can't meet it. There's a physical lack. Yep. <laughs> there is no wind. There is no wind. So Agamemnon asks the seer Calchas um, why this has suddenly happened. And a seer is basically someone who reads signs and portents mm-hmm. um, as you know, having come from the gods and, mm-hmm. and what they mean. Like the interpreter of the gods, exactly. if you will. Yeah. yeah. So they especially look at like birds and animals and those sorts Weather of things. Weathermen used to be so much more important. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Calchas informs Agamemnon that he has offended Artemis um, in some way, and therefore she is the one who has stopped the winds, and in order to appease her, Agamemnon must sacrifice his eldest daughter, who is Ephigenia. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. I thought Artemis was all about the woman. She is, and all about the young girls. We'll get there. Okay. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> I'm confused. Why would she want to? It does seem a little confusing. Why? Yeah. Why have like? Why would Artemis the young one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I'm like, why would Artemis want a female to be sacrificed? Mm-hmm. 
So throughout this play, Agamemnon struggles with this decision of whether or not to sacrifice his daughter. I mean, he's not a monster. He's not just, you know, willing to do whatever it takes to win this war yeah, and to get loves, Helen back. Yeah, he loves his daughter. Yeah, he's a yeah. family man. He loves her dearly. Um, but he also knows that the fate of his army kind of depends on what he does here and what the decision is. Yeah. Um, he also believes that if he doesn't go to war, then the Greeks are just going to turn on him and kill his family anyways. So it's almost like a lose-lose. Either he sacrifices Iphigenia or... Like he fights to protect his daughter, but he has to sacrifice his daughter in order to fight. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's... Like, how do you make that decision? That's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah. So it's one of those, like, greater good questions, if you mm-hmm. will. Yeah. Yep. So, Agamemnon sends a letter home inviting, because it's all the soldiers. Uh, mm-hmm. So, he sends a letter home inviting his wife, Clytemnestra, and daughter, Iphigenia, to come to Aeolus under the pretense that Iphigenia would be marrying the hero, Achilles. Mm. Yeah. So, of That's course. That's too bad. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, they come happily assuming the best, and they have no idea as to the true intentions of their invitation. So, she's coming thinking, oh, I'm going to get married to this, like, awesome guy. and Yeah, the hero of our <laughs> army. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And his wife is obviously super happy, and everything's great. In their Except it's mind. not. Except it's not. <laughs> Except he lied. Yeah. Yep. So, once Clytemnestra and Iphigenia arrive, they learn the true purpose of her son summoning and they try to persuade Agamemnon but it is to no avail unfortunately. Um, even Achilles offers to help but by this point Iphigenia has succumbed to her fate. Um, she consents to her sacrifice and she declares that she would rather die heroically as a savior of Greece than be dragged unwillingly to the altar. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I like your reactions. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, whoa. So we have this scene and, and plot. This isn't working out that it's planned at all. No. Mm-hmm. Well, it is kind of going yeah. to some people's plans. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because we have a young woman mm-hmm. who's around the same age as a lot of these soldiers that are going to war yeah. and sacrificing their own lives for the sake of their homeland. And Iphigenia is basically doing the same thing. She knows that she can't physically go and fight in war and die for her country, but she knows that her death in this instance would mean something greater for Mm -hmm. her people and she's willing to die for that so she's kind of acting heroically in in a similar way i would say yeah but in in kind of the only way that she can but in a certain way yeah as well yeah Mm -hmm. um her mother on the other hand does not agree with her obviously her daughter being sacrificed and blames agamemnon for it um, which thus becomes the catalyst of her plot to murder Agamemnon once he returns home from the Trojan War. Wow. Okay. So that's why this is kind of the precursor to what happens in the Oresteia trilogy, which starts with the play called The Agamemnon when he comes home after the Trojan War with Cassandra. And his, and his wife wants to kill him. Kill him. Yeah. yeah. So this is the the primary reason why is because he kills her daughter. So Iphigenia yeah. does. She is sacrificed. Um, so that's basically the end of the play. Um, however, but she does so willingly. She does so exactly, yeah. which exactly. is fortunate at least. At least she died knowing that 
there was some reason for it. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, this idea, like, of moving stagnation, forward. Yeah, and yeah. needing to sacrifice something in order to move forward. Yeah, and that was Agamemnon's battle. Literally starting the winds. Does so Do the winds start, yeah. at least? As soon as she sacrificed, the winds start again, and they're able to go to war. Does it explain why Artemis wants a young girl to be sacrificed? So, what's interesting, <laughs> so there yeah. is another play where instead of being sacrificed, if a Janiah is saved by the last sec- at the last second by Artemis, who replaces her with a deer, and the men are none the wiser, basically. So the men think, think that, that she has been sacrificed, exactly. but Artemis has actually saved her. And maybe she had other plans for her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe that's why she picked her. Exactly. Like, and Artemis, I don't want you in this situation. Yep. Artemis brings Iphigenia to an island. She sounds like Artemis's kind of woman. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like this whole like, yeah. oh, I want to, you know, die a heroic death and like mm-hmm. putting others before. Like she sounds like the kind of person that Artemis would want to save. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, she brings her to an island where there, where she has um, a temple to Artemis, and she's, like, one of the priestess, priestesses. And she stays there until her brother Orestes finds her um, after – this happens after the Trojan War mm-hmm. and after um, he has killed their, their mother. Wow. Yeah. I like this ending better. <laughs> I'm just going to say this is the new ending. This is the new ending, yeah. Well, it's much. It's it's kind of like with the Helen story as well, how one of the versions is that, oh, it wasn't actually her that went to Troy. That was just yeah, kind of like a like phantom all, of her. Yeah, there's all these extra stories. So this this was probably like, this, this might have been fan fiction where they were like, she can't die. No. It's a good She's twist, not gonna though. Die. Especially like, if you think yeah. about it. Because, like, it doesn't make sense for Artemis to want to kill a woman. It just doesn't make sense to me. But it'd be great. Like, could you imagine watching this thinking, oh, they're not going to do it. It'll be fine. And then it's like, oh, shit, they did it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. She's dead now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I can I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Like, storytelling-wise, it is. It's a huge twist. It's yeah. like. And, and what's crazy about it is that, like, they say from the get-go, hey, you have to kill her. And the whole time you're like, they're not going to kill her. They're not going to do, they're gonna gonna do, do it. it. They're not going to do it. And they do and it. And then they do it. And you're like, oh, but, like, you should have seen it coming because they said they were going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, like, at the new Star Wars. This is me nerding out. The new Star Wars movie, the Rogue One. It's like, oh, like, everyone's going to die. But they're not all going to die. Like, come on. Like, surely. And you're like, surely. holy crap, they all die. Holy crap. They're all dead now. Yeah. So, yeah. So Summary. This is why... Much was lost <laughs> to receive this information. Yes. <laughs> like... So this is why, part yeah. of why I love Euripides as a playwright, because he takes these myths and he really does, like, sometimes he changes them a little bit, but they're mm-hmm. all, I don't know, they're just written so well. Yeah, it's good. a good job. So. Okay, so, yeah, I definitely, I definitely see the correlation here between this story and the Eight of Cups. Mm-hmm. Um, and... With the Eight of Cups, obviously, there's a huge change in scenery afterwards as well because then they're able to all leave and go to war yeah, um, and pursue that goal. Um, exactly. Yeah, it, although it seems like it's more of an epic tale. Like, I... I and this is, like, the beginning I've of never, epic I've tale, never right? seen the Eight of Cups as more than, like, one person, one mm-hmm. person's journey, but it definitely, like, yeah, it definitely it can apply to this to, like, large groups of people yeah and i feel like the man in the eight of cups is more agamemnon like i don't feel like it is yeah. a giant it is agamemnon yeah, having like, to make that sacrifice in order to move forward yeah in, in order to pursue like that goal. him his family life 
really literally are like the cups that are being snack stacked and are kind of wobbly and his yeah. actions like knock it all down it's so crazy because like his motivations were originally to like to protect his family mm-hmm. and he has to betray that in order to move forward he does and like he's yeah. still and like the reason he's going is to kind of quote-unquote protect his family because helen is his sister-in-law oh my gosh and clytemnestra his wife like Helen and Clytemnestra are sisters too so it's yeah it's tough oh my gosh okay well this is crazy we're actually running out of time we are running out of time okay so we don't, don't have we don't have time. time for our thunder and thorn no, but we but <laughs> can I quickly do some recommendations yes go ahead yeah okay yeah. so we'll do that um so I just wanted to give a couple of book recommendations and even video ones because I know a couple of weeks ago someone asked about classics books and, and tarot books too mm-hmm. um and I'm actually reading one right now it's called SPQR it's by Mary Beard and it's really great um it's not really anything to do about mythology but it's about roman history and from like beginning to end and mm-hmm. i'm really really enjoying it it's a good like it's detailed but it's also very like easy and enjoyable to read yeah so if you want to know more about roman history it's sometimes hard when you're when you're getting oh yeah in, into higher education mm-hmm. levels something right? that's yeah. accessible but not like dumbed down yeah, is, exactly. It's a difficult one to kind of combine. Like, I don't want to read necessarily white papers all the time. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I really love that. And she actually has another book coming out in January called Women and Power, A Manifesto. Oh. And I'm really looking forward to read that one. I know she talks about um, Medusa and some other um, figures from uh, Greek and Roman myth, but up into like contemporary times. That's so I'm cool. super excited So like to read how that. do we perceive women and and empower concept of power yeah. like authority as well mm-hmm. oh yeah. that's so good. yeah i definitely want to read that um also co- come across a couple of lectures and conferences this week that have been posted on youtube and i really enjoyed watching it um but it's also i think it's great and important to post things online because it becomes much more accessible to people who can't travel to yeah. conferences yeah. that easily yeah. and don't, you know, have as much money or whatever it is. And so I think that this is a great way to disseminate information, much you, like you gonna post. Uh, are you going to post those links I'm online? A hundred percent. Yeah. And awesome. in the show notes, yeah. I'm going to post the links to those two. Um, one was about monsters, which was really cool. Ancient monsters. Another one was about um, Homer's Iliad. And so mm-hmm. I'll post them on the show notes i also have repost them on twitter <laughs> i find we don't have a myth tarot love account but i do have my own um at biddy diana so if you do like seeing classics related tweets you can follow me i'm the <laughs> yeah classics nerd on there that <laughs> post them so yeah you're passionate i am i like it <laughs> Um, so then that, I guess, brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you correct. so yes. much, as always, for listening. Um, if you'd like to support the show, the easiest way to do is to tell a friend and spread the word. You can also leave us a review on iTunes, and we will we give very, you a shout-out. We as very much seen. appreciate it. <laughs> exactly. Um, you can also become a Patreon. Um, we'd love to, if you could do that, just support. Uh, $1 per episode. Very easy to do. And that way you get the weekly recording of the weekly tarot forecast. That is correct. Or the WTF. A new WTF every week. Every week. (laughs) Um, What do we got going on next week? Uh, Next week we're going to be talking about the Nine of Cups, which is 
interesting because in our, our weekly tarot forecast this week, we actually had the Nine of Cups as our future. <laughs> literally. Like, I'm like, well, we're literally going to have this card next week. So pretty spot um, on So there. that's cool. Um, and we're also going to be relating it to the Saturnalia. Mm-hmm. Party mm-hmm. time. Good times. Uh, so our parting words for today are once again from the American Tarot Association. Here we go. Uh, the sacrifice intended on the Eight of Cups comes from the heart, but the wisdom earned fills the void that is created. Mail and tarot, where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, cups, and symbols, and all 